Hey man, grab a slice. Get your gun. We'll watch some movies. We'll have some fun. It's pizza and guns and movies all night. Welcome to Pizza, Guns, and Movies with your hosts, Pat Dowell, Anthony Urso, and Jeff Dorico. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, my name is Pat Dowell. I'm here with my good buddy, Anthony Urso, and my other good buddy, Jeffrey Dorico. <gasps> my name's Jeff. I don't know if they feel the same way about me that I do about them, but and we're, we're here with our great buddy, Pete. <gasps> oh, no one said my fucking name <laughs> except for me. <laughs> that made me look like a chump, like oh, a chump, on, hey, like a chump. Hey. Uh, but you know what they say: there is no greater salitude than that of the samurai, <gasps> unless it is that of the. 35-year-old man, Indeed. perhaps. <laughs> Indeed. We're going to touch on that. Oh, we are going <laughs> to touch on that. But today, we watched the 1967 French crime thriller Le Samurai. Or everybody was not kung fu fighting because this is France. That is the only reason why. <laughs> if it took place in any other country, Portugal, Kung Fu. Definitely Kung Fu. <laughs> Australia, Kung Fu. Actually, I think in Australia it would be um, you slam a Foster's and get kicked by a kangaroo in the face. That is some excellent, excellent mixed martial arts yeah. right there. <laughs> 50 on the kangaroo. Yeah, France just has wine and cigarettes. They're, they smoke <laughs> so fucking much. Oh, in this yeah. Movie. It's crazy. This I'm entire movie is just smoking. I know. Again, this is something that could probably give you cancer just by <laughs> viewing it. You just watch the movie and you get it. But um, Similar to the presence of Bob Fosse's corpse. Yes. I wonder how much like, the cigarette companies just gave them. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's like a government stipend in France where they're like, we don't care. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, though, this movie could never be on Netflix without that pre-warning of cigarette smoking up in the left-hand corner. Yeah, like that's, that is pretty inappropriate for teenagers to yeah. see. Not all the murder. Not all <laughs> the murders that happen in this film. Not too violent, though. But uh, yeah, so 1967's Le Samurai. It's a uh, French crime thriller. It's basically kind of like uh, the 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 weekend in the life of a contract killer. Um, it is written, directed, and produced by Jean Pierre Melville. Um, he is a French director who fucking rules. He made this movie and a bunch of other uh, really cool films. Kind of a uh, kind of mostly crime base like it, he loved like american gangster movies so he also wrote and uh, or uh, uh, made a film called le cercle rouge which is a uh, heist film um a movie called un flic that actually uh, stars the same 
stars this film. Um, and uh, yeah, Bob Le Flambeur, uh, that is uh, Bob the Gambler. That's kind of where he got his like start, so to speak. Um, but yeah, no, very uh, prolific filmmaker. I fucking love him. I fucking love this movie. Yeah, when I took my, um, I wouldn't say remedial, when I, when I took my like mandatory film credit in uh, college, Melville was definitely one of the auteurs that we discussed briefly next to contemporaries like Godard. Yes. Yeah. No, and he, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. One time in film class, uh, we had to watch The Graduate, and I had already watched The Graduate like three times because I was one of those like snooty high school kids. It was like, <laughs> I like film. Can we, uh, so I didn't show up to that uh, class. <laughs> we watched it at our film class. He showed us uh, Event Horizon. Oh. And tight. I was like, um, fucking yes. In our film class, our film teacher decided that Milos Forman's hair was a film we should watch. And I went, what? what? Of all the musicals, <laughs> you chose hair? Is it because it's directed by Milos Forman? <laughs> Most likely. So it was actually Melville who suggested to John Luc Godard to uh, do uh, uh, smash cuts in, oh. in the film Breathless, which is kind of what it's known for. Uh, so just briefly to touch on it, because I, who cares what I have Yeah, to say but like it. smash cuts happen all the time now, so that's cool. Yeah, no, it's very <laughs> cool. And that's kind of what it is, is uh, Melville was kind of like one of the forefathers of what's called the uh, French New Wave in uh, cinema history. Uh, some might argue the most uh, significant movement in the history of film. Um, but, you know, there there's a bunch of revolutionary shit. But, uh, like, basically a lot of it just became making it more about uh, just kind of stripping down, like, studio oversight, mm -hmm. always shooting on um, studio, like, you know, like, what's it called? Like, sets and different yeah. things like that. Yeah, back lots. Yeah, yeah. And then just kind of, like, um, you know, just doing things that were revolutionary at the time that, like you said, we see now is just, like, such commonplace things like filming on location, yeah, handheld cameras, well, it was tracking the, shots. It was the polar opposite of the American... 1930s musical movie bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which then paved the way for spaghetti westerns. Yeah, exactly. And Which John is Pierre wild Nova. that like all like we went from silent films to the talkies to the musical Studios. musical film. Yeah, exactly. The musical films of the 1930s to the yeah. spaghetti westerns to the French New Wave. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it is very crazy. So yeah, he just kind of was uh he was one of the the revolutionaries like as we see in the movie he films a lot on location. Mm. Um and yeah, like the film opens with a long uh like basically tracking shot cuz it does a weird like thing where they're zooming in when they're moving the dolly and stuff cuz it's supposed to be a dreamlike effect. Yeah, Jeff yeah. was really into it, that. It, we were watching it. It almost felt <laughs> like they had like a, a a um a fish lens on it yeah like and did yeah that. something and like it was that. like really fun i, I, I really like yeah that no and shot. that's that's kind of part of uh melville's like philosophy is that while his films are kind of grounded more in reality like this isn't like a fantastical film he still wants to make it kind of like this like dreamlike almost hypnotic quality so there's just like little ticks like that or little things like in the setting of this film it's very gray and rainy 
So he did things like um, he had all the uh, labels on cigarettes and like wine bottles and shit. Um, he had all of those like removed and then replaced with labels that were dimmer colors. Oh, wow. To make the whole thing darker. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, to make it kind of just like have that effect. Um, I didn't notice. Yeah. No, it's but that's it, really cool. Yeah, no, it all blends in. I do think that we might have watched uh, like a digital, uh, what's it called? The digitalized uh, copy of it. So yeah. it might have brightened oh, that a little bit. Yeah. So it made it a little bit less noticeable. Maybe, I think. I don't know. I mean, we watched it on. Um, yeah, it was a Criterion collection version yeah i can't i can't say the network because we're not sponsored by them so oh we're not allowed to all right can't we can't can't say push customers their way 10 whole people (laughs) but um yeah so so this uh was just kind of uh melville's creation of like a a, like an imitation of like an american gangster film Mm -hmm. but his craft was like he 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 was in control of you know basically the whole production um, the star of the film is named Elaine Delon. I watched a, uh, uh, an interview with him in which Elaine Delon said that, uh, Melville was like an auteur in the truest sense mm-hmm. because it was like a thing where it's like, okay, he knows about lighting. He knows about sound. He knows about oh, camera. Yeah. He knows about like, there's just certain things where he was like a master basically of all filmmaking, which is why he was able to break away from the studios and just kind of start doing this, his own shit. And, um, I'm not really sure what is considered like his best movie. Cause I know Le Cirque La Rouge gets a lot of love, but I know that this one, uh, is definitely kind of like well loved just because of its aesthetic. Like it's, it's just like whole mood it's the birth of the uh, the lone wolf antihero that we kind of see replicated in movies like Drive and Taxi Driver, which we'll touch on a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's a it's a very, very cool and interesting film. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, this was my first like French film, and, and that makes me happy. I really appreciated the fact that it wasn't just like, oh god the whole time like i definitely felt very invested in this in this character jeff and his life and what he's doing and why he's doing like the protagonist of the movie is named jeff like our like our jeff but it's only spelled with one f i just i really liked the dropping you just you're just dropped into the situation you're literally just kind of tossed in yeah no build up. Just Let's just go in and figure it out. Yeah, and and just kind of let it, the story tell itself. Let it yeah. breathe a little bit. Yeah, like it's just kind of you're just getting a window into the oh, world uh, into this guy's world. And that's it. Yeah, like that's all you need to know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it takes place uh, Saturday until like Tuesday. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like the yeah. timeline. Yeah, of it, so. But yeah, um, I've mentioned this gentleman a few times. We're gonna just run through the cast. Um, so once again, the film stars Elaine Delon as Jeff Costello. He is in a bunch of John Pierre Melville movies and was just like a really big like French film star at the time. Like he had like a really big rise to fame. And obviously he kind of has that like steely, cool look. And yeah. they were just like a good uh, match for one another. He's like the it boy of he, yeah. French cinema in the 1960s. Yeah, exactly. It was really weird, though. When I was working at Fleet Feet, um, somebody had a picture on their locker that was of Elaine Delon, like at a wedding or something. What? And I was just like, 
is I was like, I was like, hey, 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 Pete, why is that Elaine Delon thing on there? And he was like, well, Penny said it looked like me. And I was like, it did not look. They didn't. <laughs> I was like, I was like, sorry to break your heart, kid. Yeah, dude, it looks nothing like you. But yeah, no, he's a he's oh, a. That's so good. Yeah, no, it was so weird because he's got that like eyebrow. You yeah, know? like he does. He's got like the yeah. people's eyebrow perma style. <laughs> yes. So, but yeah, no, he's cool as fuck. Um. So then there's a uh, Natalie Delon as Jane Lagrange. 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 So that is Elaine Delon's sister as his oh. lover in the film. Debatably. No, I think dis- definitively. <laughs> because why would the inspector ask the guy, Wiener, <laughs> uh, if, uh, why would he ask Wiener if the bed was warm, if the um, brother was there? Yeah, I guess. They might share beds. I don't know. I like thinking that they might be brother and sister they could yeah. be they don't they don't like yeah but that's just me but anyway just moving on i just always thought that was weird um we've got kathy rosier as the pianist <laughs> she it's definitely really a piano player yes totally <laughs> yeah i don't know there was at least one close-up of her hands playing yeah definitely she she uh she is as good a piano player as nacho is a gardener but um <laughs> We've got Francois Perrier as the commissioner, who I fucking love. As a, uh, he is a good guy technically, but he is still a dick, and oh. it is great. He's also the heir to the Perrier fortune. Oh, I'm just gonna I don't know that if up. that's true or not, but we're sure. gonna. He plays like a good, like you know, villain slash good person. Yeah, he's like, like a he, weird he, French antihero yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. And it's another kind of thing where, like, with the commissioner and the pianist, there are a few people. I've really got to watch how I say that. The pianist. Um, there are a few people whose names we just don't know. Yeah. We just kind of understand them as, like, this is just meant to more represent, like, this authoritarian figure. Mm-hmm. Probably sort of bristling at authority a little bit because the commissioner, although good, well-intentioned, you know, you, yeah. I want cops to catch murderers i'm not against that right i'm just against random roundups of people who don't even <laughs> look true. like fucking yeah. elaine delon all right round them all up <laughs> yeah no it's like put an apb out for the hot guy um <laughs> but anyway then we got uh jean pierre posier as uh jean pierre posier ah that's fun he's uh olivier ray um that guy is the bad guy um, we've got Robert Favorite, my favorite Frenchman, as the barman. The barman. The barman, which is always fun. Again, barman. just some random dude. Yeah. Um, we've got Jacques Leroy as the bridge man. Um, also, he is my favorite wrestler. <laughs> um, and then we've got Michelle Boisrand as Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's just kind of uh, that's just kind of everybody. What's funny is um, the the bridge man. I just originally was gonna call him the bag man in the script because it's kind of I think it's like a similar role, but he yeah. was called the bridge man or like le homme de la bridge. <laughs> but um, yeah, so these are just kind of all of the people that Jeff um, is going to interact with and or potentially murder um, throughout the film. We will see, but now. We can begin talking about the film. Film opens up. We're inside uh, Jeff's smoky apartment. He's just smoking a cigarette in bed, which is crazy dangerous. <laughs> and he's got a little bird that's going. Tweet, 
Yeah, that bird tweets a lot. It does. <laughs> Somebody's got it. It's going to get its cancel or uh, Twitter canceled That's by Elon right. Musk. That's exactly for all, for all those balding. Jokes. All the tweets. But um, yeah. So and it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful shot of the room where everything is just framed up so perfectly and nice, and it just kind of goes through the credits, and then we get to a quote from the Bushido, where it says, "There is no greater solitude than that of the samurai." You know, it's unless it is that of the tiger in the jungle, perhaps. To which I say, perhaps that is something that is 100% not in the Bushido. I was going to say, I was yeah. about to bring that up because yeah. I read that. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's already kind of cultural appropriation that they're <laughs> calling it yeah. the samurai, and it's a white guy. Yeah. And then the uh, the guy just made up a line in this like <laughs> yep. text that's pretty important. So, yep. oh my gosh. yeah, no, just straight up made that up. But then uh, Je- Jeff puts his hat on and he puts on his raincoat. He gives us kind of like a cool like look in the mirror. And it is 4 p.m. on Saturday. Like I said, the film opens up on a Saturday. So, yeah, that's just kind of like when it does that cool effect when it's moving in and everything. Mm-hmm. But it just is meant to like show that Jeff just lives by yeah. himself with he's a bird. just yeah it no, doesn't have anything at home it's not even any fucking books it's jeff and his pet and that's it yeah and yeah, his that's cigarettes all, that's all he needs and then he uh goes outside to uh who i believe is raymond's eric from the doors who's playing the yes. organs throughout <laughs> this entire movie <laughs> yeah but um that starts to play up as a man parks his car like right by jeff like it's just really unfortunate he part <laughs> literally as jeff is walking by the building the guy is like oh gotta run in here and get my five thousand packs of cigarettes for my four kids but then uh so as the guy leaves jeff gets into the car and pulls out that like giant key ring with all the rings that are gonna unlock shit it's a bunch of keys a bunch of keys. bunch of them i only have like four keys yeah and i still to this day have trouble it's just back door and front door yeah, the, that's all I got, and I still will mix them up. I'm gonna mix them up when I go home tonight. Which, by Guaranteed. the way, it feels kind of like a, uh, uh, the Matrix stole that, like because they had the key dude in the Matrix that had the oh same yeah. like type of thing. Kind of oh. feels like they stole that. This movie probably inspired a whole bunch of shit that oh we yeah. didn't know yeah. it inspired. But yeah, so then Jeff pulls away, and uh, it's France, so he uh, starts smoking a cigarette. Yep. And it is raining outside, and he pulls up to a stop sign, and then th- this uh, this hot tamale uh, pulls up next to him, and she kind of gives him the eyeballs, and he just stares at her blankly and then drives away. And she she's, like, mad. She starts <laughs> pouting, like, immediately, and it's like, did you think that he was going to go, I never knew until this moment that I loved you until I got stuck <laughs> you in this are my fucking intersection, love. and I spilled coffee all over my pants. But, uh, yeah, so then Jeff pulls, uh, he's driving to the Grash, which is basically just every GTA fucking <laughs> game you've ever seen. And every time there's, like, an illegal it's movie the, where there's, like, a secret Grash, this yeah. is the Grash. Like, it's, it's the, the same it's thing. It's the paint and spray or whatever, the spray well, the and paint. The guy's just standing there waiting for him. Yeah, the dude is literally just standing him. in the dark <laughs> in that horrible sweater. But, um, so, yeah, Je- Jeff whips that fucking ugly, stupid-ass <sighs> car. Right into that garage, and that uh, that that nameless man just starts working on it. As Jeff looks on, he changes the license plates, and then uh, Jeff pays him, and then snaps his fingers at the guy, and the guy gives him a gun, and then uh, Jeff leaves. 
And then, huh, it's that kind of garage, huh? Yeah, it's that kind of garage where you can get an oil change, you can get your tires checked, you can get a gun. Yep. Very Perfect. American for a French movie when True. you think about it, where it's just like, all right, I'm done fixing your car, here's your gun. But, um, yeah. So then uh, Jeff visits Jane. Jane Lagrange. Lagrange. Which is uh, his his girlfriend, uh, kind of. I don't know. This his is a girlfriend v- sister. It, it's a very Sarazawa, um, Emiko relationship where it's just like, you guys are something. All right. Something, <laughs> something's up. Something's going on. Yeah, there's not really much chemistry there. Nah, yeah, it's pretty stiff. But then, uh, well, I mean, he do, he's a psycho. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't give a it's shit. It's also about a French film. And I mean, I know it was my first French film, but I feel like a lot of French films are stiff. I feel like there is some truth in that statement. Right. I, w- I would definitely say it's a little bit more stiff in some of the Jean-Pierre Melville films because, you know, it it's these, uh, it, it, it's like we said, they're so quiet. Yeah. But that's what kind of is the pull in. That's like what, like, gets you to sort of just, like, start, like, piecing together everything that's happening because mm-hmm. at this point, you Stole a car, he saw a guy, and yeah. now he's just, like, at some woman's place being like, this is what time I was here. Because he's setting up an alibi, and that is when Jane says that line where she's like, I like it when you need me, and um, I don't think that's a healthy relationship, <laughs> if it is a relationship. Yeah. No matter what type of relationship it would be. It's not healthy for friend, any. Friendship, family, yep. Yep. Uh, uh, dating. Well, and she also make she tells him, he's like, I'll, I'll be there at 2 or I was there till two, and she goes, "No, he's coming home at two. Wiener, uh, you'll be here at one forty-five. That wiener is popping in through that door. Well, and I think that that like is really their relationship is very symbiotic, right? Because it's like he's like, I'm going to be here at this time, and she says, No, you're not. You have to be out of here by this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of a thing where she just seems to be willing to do stuff for him, even though he is a cold, yeah, emotionless man. Yeah. And then uh, Jeff is then going to the illegal poker game um, to also establish the alibi. It's just like, again, it's like a typical like mobster scene where there's just a bunch of like sweaty, bald and greasy dudes like playing cards and being like, ah, <laughs> but um, so he is there to establish an alibi again, and uh, he's like, all right, save a chair for me. I'll be back at this time. And as he's leaving, one of the Frenchmen goes, um, bring cash in case you lose, to which Jeff says, um, I never knew. Lose. Not really. Which is also in the Bushido. But, um, D- but Direct quote. <laughs> direct quote from there. So, yeah, no, it th- and, and again, like, it just kind of moves to Jeff parking his car then. Yeah. He leaves yeah. the car running. That's important to note. He leaves the car running. Like that Arcade Fire song. Yeah, Leave the Car Running by the Arcade Fire. That's where they, that's, this that's inspired where they got that, it from. too. Yep. Lone Wolf movies and Arcade Fire songs. <laughs> but um, he heads downstairs to the swanky nightclub Marty's, which by today's standards would be on Bar Rescue. And he <laughs> is, uh, he's on his job. Um, we it, it hasn't been said yet, but he is a hired killer. So he's just kind of moving through the club, trying to be inconspicuous and not get seen. But he's not necessarily very good at it. But um, we see the pianist for the first time. The pianist. We see the pianist for the first time. She's definitely playing piano. <laughs> Just she's wailing on it. Yeah, she's going nuts. She's like the Eddie Van Halen of pianos. Of pianos. 
but I'm then, so good yeah. pianoing. Yeah, she pianos. I piano real good. Oh, you say we need a giant piano. <laughs> um, but then uh, Jeff sneaks past the stage and he goes into like the uh, this like hallway, which really reminded me of back of house at Apple. Remember when uh, in the first store? Yeah, the yeah, the like remote back of house. Yeah, yeah, the remote back of house. Oh yeah, you'd well, have to walk it was also it was also a fucking mall. Yeah, that is just true. The mall corridors are yeah. gross. But I also think Digi had a room like Marty's because what oh, happens is uh, Jeff enters a private room. It is so fucking ugly. It's got like it's purple horrible. walls and all these columns. It looks like it's like a like like what Angelica from Rugrats would make her like most evil lair. Yeah. But it's a it's like a crime boss. It's like the owner of it's this so club. True. So it's very bizarre. I'm just very a Scarface for. Be- I'm just way for before being Scarface. 1967's French. Yeah, yeah French, French Scarface. Room. Say hello. I'm thinking back to, to like friend. if this were a room at the Apple store that Digi did live in, he'd be like, hey, Dorico, come here and check out, check out my purple carpet. Ah, look at it. <laughs> but so then uh, Jeff uh, sees Marty, and Marty's like, what are you doing here? Or he says, what do you want, rather? And Jeff <laughs> goes, to kill you. And then he just shoots him dead. God. Pretty dope. Blam. Blam. And then. It uh, is a really good moment, though. It is just really cool. As far as, like, a a lone wolf killer goes, like, he's just like, fuck you, dude. Bang. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's just like, no, I mean, I'm just here to kill you, dude. I don't care. He's just cool as hell. Like, if I came in and said that, that would probably be stupid. But if I came in in a trench coat, hat. Fedora? I feel like if any of us walked in with a gun and we're like, we're here to kill you, it would turn into like a Keystone Cops thing and be like, oh, gee, I dropped the gun. Yeah. No, I definitely, I, I totally agree. Well, and the part I kind of appreciate from this is like right from the beginning of him sitting in the car and getting ready to steal the car, you've already got this tension building and it just mm-hmm. keeps building, building, building. And even that, like, Okay, now even more, we're we're kind of gonna go like where. Well, and I you're like, he does a very good job of keeping yeah. that build throughout all of this. And I almost felt like it was gonna be something more than just a single gunshot and Marty's dead. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah. thought there was gonna be like a gunfight. Yeah. And well, then you get like the, Jeff's to Jeff's staring. point, yeah. right? Yeah, because what happens is uh, Jeff is then leaving. He's uh, leaving the place, and then the pianist with her one good eye, gets a good look right at his fucking face. And they make eye contact, and they, like, stare at each other. And this is what I mean. He's not very sneaky, but this also wasn't in the age where, like, if you, like, peek your head outside, you're seen by 7 million drones. Like, this is also a time when you could kind of be a little bit more anonymous. But he's also seen by 7... technology. Yeah, thank God. Then we wouldn't have had this movie. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe technology isn't so great. But <laughs> but he also is seen by, like, uh, several people who are going to factor in in the interrogation scene. And then he gets uh, gets back in the car, takes off, ditches the gun in the gloves, and is like, hey. And then he goes Very back. Arthur Fonzarelli. Yeah, no, very. <laughs> yes. And then he fixes a jukebox along the way. <laughs> but um, then he pretends to leave. 
leave Jane's place, which I, I know it's like shows how dedicated he is. Yeah. That is so fucking crazy. Like that is oh, yeah, right. He just stands in front of the door. Yeah. Like why didn't he just go, hey, can I just like wait for like two minutes until like the exact time he this actually guy comes? Go out? Yeah. But then uh then Wiener Wiener comes in. <laughs> Um, I, I'm sorry, dude. I, you named him. It could be Weiner. It could be. His but name's Weiner on this yeah. motherfucking show. They might have Weiner, but um, <laughs> so they they just kind of cross paths quickly. But Jeff makes sure to be like, I'm walking out of the building, and then he <laughs> goes back to the, the lights uh, on too. Yeah, no, he turned the lights on, and that was also one of the giveaways. All production, and then yeah. he just goes back to the poker game. Uh, he ditches the car along. But he goes back to the game. And then uh, we meet the commissioner who is investigating the crime in Marty's ugly, ugly room. So ugly. It, it, I, I'm stuck on Nickelodeon set pieces. I'm surprised that Marty wasn't wearing a piano key necktie. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't <laughs> just like slowly taking away the body of Elton John. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Frankie, no. You'll get to Hollywood someday. You just got a dream. But the commissioner calls in a routine roundup, which, again, that is the long-ass yeah. arm of the law. No, 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 no. This yeah. is not routine. He just collects a bunch of people wearing trench coats and hats. Which routine is like all of the men Which is Paris. every single French person. Yes, and, and, and some of the children. Three square miles. Get them in here. Yeah. yeah, all of them. But he calls them in, and the pianist is sitting there. The pianist is sitting there, and she is uh, just kind of like looking on as the police are doing investigative work. It doesn't seem yeah. good to have her right on top of the evidence, fellas. But you are French cops; you definitely are great at like at like civil rights abusing. But like, man, we'll see that these cops are kind of the B squad, and they're dealing with Jeff, which isn't really that good. But so, Jeff is then at the poker game. And the police interrupt and they take him away because he, he was, you know, he got there late or whatever. And everyone's like, ooh. Oh, like, he's going to the principal's office. Ooh. And yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. But then uh, this is the routine roundup scene, which uh, is right before the interrogation, which is awesome. But yeah, once again, so Elaine Delon is a very, like, like notably handsome man. He's handsome. He's gaunt. He's tall. Yeah, he's got. He's he's like French Steve McQueen. He's Steve yeah. McQueen, but um, he uh, he like <laughs> he, but he uh, you know he he's got a very distinct look. And then the police are just dragging in. One of the guys looks like he's like he's like in a a Billy Joel music video. Is yeah. Billy Joel's body double? <laughs> And then the one guy just has that weird hatchet face, and he he, he just gets his crimes read off for some reason. <laughs> oh yeah, on a date, <laughs> not getting a call back, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> get back out. Get back out. Attempted murder and all that. Yeah, but what if she was like, "Oh my God, the person you attempted murder is my worst enemy. I love you. I love you so much. Thank you <laughs> for trying to kill my worst enemy. You're Name. stalking me. I love it. Yeah." But so Jeff is just like in line waiting to be identified and he knows he, like, he's basically like, fuck. But uh, the witnesses from the bar that are present are the barman, the pianist, the coat check girl, and then uh, like three r random people. God, that like, coat check girl's the well, worst. And, and she two of them, is, they made a point to have them 
like do the stare down shots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as they were walking away. It's like customers. And then I also think it was a doorman. Yes. But so they all. The old just, guy was a doorman. Yes. For sure. Yes, indeed. And so they're all saying no to the people who aren't Jeff because they didn't do it because they're not Jeff. <laughs> and uh, the, once Jeff stands up and they have him like take off his hat a little bit, he gets fingered, but not in the way that happens. He does not get fingered. <laughs> not like, in a good way. He yeah, does not, not get fingered way. like Freddie got fingered. Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> but um, so he, <laughs> so then we get to, uh, yeah, he's like, I was at my girlfriend's house. Her name is Jane Lagrange, which he gives up reluctantly. And then uh, the commissioner calls her up and then they're going to have Jeff separated for questioning. And then this is the interrogation sequence, which is awesome. Because it it's a huge scene, yeah. huge huge scene. But basically, what it is is try the commissioner is trying all these different tricks and tips that he read on a uh, frequently asked questions page about <laughs> how to break Jeff's alibi. Yeah. Right. So it begins by like bringing in um, bringing in Jane Lagrange and Weiner, and he interviews Lagrange first. She cooperates Jeff's alibi. Um, he, he gets Wiener to say that he remembered a man coming out and then, uh, he makes Wiener pick Jeff out of a lineup. But here's where I think that this is a little bit of like a tainted witness. If a cop told me that my, uh, that, that my partner was sleeping around on me and was like, pick like, do you recognize any of these men? Like this might be the, the person I would just default go to the hot one. Oh yeah i would just immediately look at him and be like well that's <laughs> gotta be the guy yeah. like it's like gotta be him so he recognizes him but the commissioner is persistent because jeff fucking murdered marty he definitely did it right. it's just that you know for some reason the barman who we know saw jeff isn't saying anything. well but I, I love too like how he makes him change the jacket and hat and the guy even points out like yeah it looks like this dude he was wearing that jacket and that hat. Yeah. Like, and he points to the two people that he swapped the jacket and yeah. hat with. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's, it's all this clever stuff like like that. And then just like as we said, like uh, there's like a lot of these long shots of the commissioner walking from room to room. Mm -hmm. And what that's doing, again, just nice and slowly is just building up like the tension of being like, okay, well, Jeff murdered this guy. The police have him. Is he like like where is this going to go basically? Yeah. And it all comes down to after Jeff's story is cooperated by Jane Lagrange and Wiener, and he's all like, "I'm sad. I'm very sad now. I'm going to drive to my car." <laughs> but um, he uh, then uh, one sec. Oh yeah, no. The commissioner um then decides to have the witnesses take one last look at Jeff, and well, and he says definitively, "I need a yes." Or no. Or no. Yeah. No maybes. Yeah. You're going to pick yes no, or no. No takesies, backsies. <laughs> no fingers crossies. Like, yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> it's a very weird police tactic I to go in and say, finger this I guy. want this guy in jail. I can't finger this guy for this crime if you don't say fucking yes. <laughs> I will make your family cry. <laughs> I'm the one who do that. I'm the one who's going to do it. But so then the same people who say no 
say no again. Yeah. And then the one guy who just he's just got a hard on for Jeff. Like not in the yeah, not in the does. sexy way. Yeah, but more does. in this he's like, I don't like the way this young whippersnapper's got a short haircut. I don't like the he cut of this boy's me of jib. Young me and life is fleeting and I don't like that. <laughs> But then um, the Kochek girl, him and his young dick. <laughs> the young girl, the Kochek girl, the who is the worst? I hate that Kochek. Girl. Yeah, she waffles though, and it kind of helps. And then it's uh, basically down to the pianist, the pianist, and she one hundred percent saw Jeff do it. But she, she just didn't goes see the shooting, and she goes, "Nope, it's nope. not." And it's to the point where this is actually one of the moments where you see Jeff lose his cool because he blurts out uh, Merci de Medan, which, you know, thank you. And she's like, don't mention it. And then uh, finally, um, that Jeff has to get let go, even though he <laughs> murdered Marty. It's 5.45 a.m. on Sunday. And then Jeff just kind of gets to uh, walk the streets. Um, he very easily... Uh, uh, is able to shake the French surveillance of uh, of, of all those that are following him. There seems to be a lot of cars. Doesn't seem to be a lot of results. You know what I mean? It's kind of actually not to, because this was kind of the same period. It it sort of reminds me of how everyone assumed France was going to be chill during World War II. Like they're going to be totally fine just because they had a bunch of soldiers. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. They're making the same mistakes. Yeah. So there's a connection. But <laughs> a French connection. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. wink. <laughs> wink, wink. The French connection or Fr- French, French bread because <laughs> it's stiff. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I apologize to everyone and everything, everywhere, <laughs> all at once. But um, Jeff meets the bridge man. Who I like to think eats a lot of bridge mix. He does. He does. <laughs> li- he could eat a lot of bridge. He probably, d- like from the description, it does make him sound like he is a troll who lives underneath the bridge <laughs> and like collects like people's bubble gum. But it's just this guy. Um, and this is some of my favorite cinematography in the movie because he's at, I, I believe it's like a, tro- a closed elevated train station. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like. Jeff is just doing those long walks, like up and down the uh, the the alleyway and all that shit, or whatever it's called, uh, the the subway platform. Yeah. And he meets the guy. The catwalk. He meets the bridge man. The catwalk. On the catwalk, baby, it's Jeff the Samurai. But um, he uh, he then goes, okay, it's done, and he's expecting to get paid, but the bag man says he got seen by the police, so he pulls out a gun. He shoots Jeff in the arm. The bullet just like uh. grazes his arm because the bridge man, much like the police, not particularly, not a lot of bang for your buck there with the bridge <laughs> man. Because Jeff wrestles the gun away and kind of gives chase, but the bridge man escapes. Later on in the movie, when he's getting dressed down to the bridge man by Olivier Ray, he, uh, Ray says that he's like, um, you know, make sure he doesn't give you the shake this time. And I was just like, the bridge man was like running away, pissing himself. Like, he was like, he was like panicking and running to his dumb fucking French car that looks like a duck head. All of the French cars looked like duck heads. It drove me nuts. But then, so Jeff then gets a little bit of me time, which is a little bit unusual. 
But uh, he cleans and dresses his gunshot wound back at his apartment, Mm -hmm. which is a scene we've once again seen a million times. Like the one that kept on coming in my head was uh, No Country for Old Men. And uh, yeah, it's that great soundtrack with the with the 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 jazz, the jazz noir sax, baby. But um, yeah, and then he uh, he stops. And, uh, like, once he's done, he's kind of got his arm up. He feeds his little birdie. And the birdie's like, I'm glad you didn't get shot by that bullet, daddy. Quick, 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 quick. And then uh, Jeff <laughs> lights a cigarette and falls asleep in bed, which is the most dangerous thing he keeps on doing. <laughs> it is movie. the most dangerous game. It is so reckless. And his house, well, I guess there's not a lot of shit in his house that would burn, but yeah. it's just like, uh, it's also I don't the know. most French thing ever, too. Yeah, true. I know. They they do every they, so many cigarettes so many cigarettes this movie really should come with the Surgeon General's warning yeah but so then we meet Olivier or I'm sorry I did the name backwards on our outline Olivier Ray uh, and his cronies we meet them for the first time so it's just like kind of like the nebulous like 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 crime guy like Kurt Douglas and like out of the past where it's just like ah yeah I'm the one who's in charge of this operation see we killed Monty for some reason no nobody yeah. really explains why Monty got free. or like Tony Curtis and Spartacus yeah exactly wait what yeah hmm. <laughs> yeah there, there we go but, <laughs> but so um but it, the barman is in on the killing, so that's why he did not identify Jeff. I liked that. Yeah, me too. When I saw that, I was like, oh, I reckon I... Wait a second. This is part of the movie. Yeah, I know. That's why he's my favorite. <laughs> that's the actor's name. But um, so, ah. so uh, yeah, he's just kind of saying, like, we have to kill this guy because he's a wounded wolf and he's dangerous. Wounded wolf. Great metal band name. Yes. Remember that? And then, uh, yeah, so it's just basically like we got to track this guy down and kill him. And then the next scene is basically the same scene, but they're cops because it's just the commissioner <laughs> just saying we need to uh, break Jane Lagrange in order Lagrange. to uh, in order to break Jeff's alibi. Can you imagine if they put uh, like this amount of police work into maybe like finding women from Poland who get kidnapped sometimes? You know, it would have ruined one of our favorite movies. So it would have they another mob movie, kind of Anoth- not really. Yeah, another <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff is Jeff is Domenico's like great uncle, but um, yeah. So they just are gonna make the plan to break the alibi. Um, so Jeff wakes up 10 p.m. on a Sunday. Didn't get that much sleep. Um, but he leaves his place. He ditches all his uh, bandages and he goes straight to Marty's like a smart not conspicuous just going right back to the scene of the crime imagine like just like like there's like a wolf that keeps on killing like you're like farm or something and you're with like a hunter and he's like just like this wolf will sneak up it's the most silent animal in the world it's quiet as night Gotta keep your eyes out for keep your eyes peeled. Keep your I'm the wolf. I'm the wolf. I'm the wolf. Like, like that's just what like Jeff might as well be doing, even though he's very quiet. He is creepily quiet. And all the witnesses are like, What the fuck? I recognize you now. Like, now, now. Now I recognize you. You were the guy who was accused of murdering the man who got killed here less than twenty four hours ago, you crazy bastard. And now that I look at you you do look like the guy that did it. Yeah, and then, like, the barman kind of warns him, but Jeff is just kind of clearly like, hey, pianist, I don't mean to interrupt all that piano playing that you're doing right now. 
But I've got a pianist for you. But I've got a pianist with you. And his name is Adrian Brody. And his name is Adrian Brody. God, what a tragic name. I've been wanting to make that joke this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, bro. But so, uh, as Jeff is uh, very stupidly <laughs> returning to the scene of the crime, the B-Squad French cops are like, all right, guys, this is our time to shine. Hey! They're doing that the whole time as they're doing this secret mission. But um, the uh, the bird is tripping out because they enter the apartment, and now you kind of also see the other purpose of why Jeff has the bird um, that, that start to play out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they're looking for a place to kind of do the buck. They're going super slow. <laughs> number one, they, <laughs> the like, the, it, it is it is the most leisurely <laughs> bugging I've ever witnessed in my life. Well, but I like that they all have the same key. Does everybody in France just have a giant key ring that can access anyone's home if they want? I mean, yeah. yeah like any lock they want? They're much better organized than they <laughs> It's like, oh, no, I'm out of cigarettes and wine. But um, <laughs> My children need wine. <laughs> so Let me go find an empty house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope I hope a samurai does not leave here. <laughs> but so these guys... Uh, <laughs> These guys are then, they land on the window as being the best place to put the bug. Oh, you guys, look, there's a uh, there's a curtain here. We can hide the bug behind. He's never going to close those curtains. It's fine. Call yeah, CSI and get this guy on that show. Because he hangs up like what looks like one of those old like showers that you used to bring into the radio that never fucking worked and would just like fall on your foot yeah, one day. Yeah, one of those. No, yeah, one of those... Uh, <laughs> You said one of the <laughs> one of the ham radios. Dalgos. It's like one of those showers you used to bring into the radio, <laughs> but he meant to say radio you used to bring into the shower, and I couldn't get through that. Well, but yes, yeah, no. he's right. It looks like a to, giant friggin'. I used to bring all my showers to, to my radio. radios. That's why I'm not allowed back at Q101's headquarters. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he puts up the 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 big the 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 shower. First radio. off, he nails a friggin' nail into the wall. Yes. <laughs> And there's a no hanging things policy in Jeff's lease. <laughs> Jeff is gonna he's gonna lose he his security, security department. Uh, well, hopefully the cops' fucking <laughs> salary could cover it. Hopefully they're paying this idiot well because he looks at the radio and goes, "No, that's too easy to give away." He takes that one down and then pulls out a little tiny one, but it's still just. A blind man could see it. It's like it's, it is so noticeable. It's the Will Ferrell model cell phone bit from SNL. It's like he it's takes out the, the tiny radio and he's like, this is better. And I was laughing just as hard when I first saw the little <laughs> tiny thing. I was expecting him Ooh. to kind of do the little Pulls out bit. the little. And then he, uh, like, he, he closes the window shade and he's like, perfect. <laughs> There's no way this will ever, ever, ever He'll be moved. never figure it out. And then they take off. And they just kind of separate on the street. And these guys are so just ridiculously inept because one of them gets into a very noisy van on this secret mission. The door is wide open on the van as he drives away very fast the wrong way down a one-way street. It's like you could just <laughs> see it all playing out, and then the I am a police officer. I can do like, what I want. He's like I do not, I do not function unless I've eaten my crepes. <laughs> but um, 
<laughs> but then the other guy is just in the hotel room across from Jeff, which makes me think like the windows are open and the cop like looks over and make eye contact with Jeff and is like, oh, <laughs> he's like jerking off or something. And you just kind of continue to hear the bird like freaking out on the radio, basically. So then uh, Jeff confronts the pianist, Adrian Brody himself. And he says, if you ever kiss Halle Berry unwarranted on the lips again, I'm going to kill you. To which Adrian Brody responded, Pat Dowell, if you ever make a joke about the 2002 Oscars again, like <laughs> anyone's going to know what the fuck you're talking about, I'm going to kill you. I wasn't sure where you were going either. So Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, was a little... And no, yeah, it's a, that, was a it, deep, it, that was a deep cut. Yeah, deep no, cut. it's a. De- it, this is the, number one. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I fucking break through barriers. Adrian Brody and I have a tense piece right now. <laughs> but anyway, but then I just, I sorry, I just imagine like Adrian Brody like waiting outside my apartment <laughs> with like a baseball bat and being like, "Oh hey, how's it going? Just had uh, some community league softball with uh, Kristen Stewart." It's like that movie Clean he was in. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> did anybody? Like did you? Did we? Did anyone watch Clean? I had it, or I'd seen it, but I, I, I didn't actually watch the movie. It's had, based like, on my Samurai. On, like, Is it really? Yeah. or something. Oh, I'm really good at doing that. I found out. I could be like Jeff. I could be a trained killer, except I'd be like, I'm here to kill you. <laughs> but um, so Jeff. <laughs> Very chill. You're going to die now. Yes. Yeah, give it. I'd just be like, hey, buddy, you seem pretty alive right now. Would you like that with the touch of death? And then I and then I would have already been shot four times <laughs> by the person <laughs> who would be like, I'm not waiting. But so Jeff is waiting outside in the dark to confront the pianist, which seems like a really unreasonable approach. Just saying. But um, he invites her, himself along for a ride in her car like he's mm. like I'm, I'm coming with you which is nice I, but there's not like love like one of the things that i found interesting about like an analysis that i saw was once again to go back to the drive connection was that even though drive is like so fucking brutally violent and and it, it it's quiet in the same way but it, it is much louder than this movie um it it it's the romantic version yeah. of Le Samurai. It's like that story where it's like more based on like cuz like he you know Ryan Gosling like loves uh uh what's her name? Carrie Mulligan in it and like yeah. he actually like does right by her where this guy kind of just does his own thing. At the very end kind of I guess but is it not is it not is it like, like do you get credit for not murdering somebody? Yeah. Like like do you, are you a good person because you haven't murdered me? Well and was what was his end goal? Was he Not going to yet. just fake murder her and then run away with her? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, like, does he love the pianist or does he love Jane Legrand? We don't know. Maybe he doesn't love anybody <laughs> he because... He just uses everyone. Yeah, he does. And that's kind of what this conversation in the car is about um, because the, you know, Jeff is like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you ID me? And she deflects and asks, you know, why did you kill Marty? And Jeff just kind of says, I was paid to, like, yeah. get paid to kill people. Like, I kill men like marty like every day and then the pianist very calmly jeff pointed out that uh the pianist is a little bit wooden but she's like what kind of man are you and then it just cuts away i i don't know why i always thought that cut was so funny because it seems like it was like one of those bits on like youtube where it'll be like perfectly cut screams where it'll be like oh here i am stubbing my toe 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't really do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it. But she's so, wooden, but she's also very beautiful. She's right. a very beautiful actress. She is. No, and she's great. She's great in the role. And the commissioner is kind of still working around in the background. Um, he's he's still at work grilling the randos that he brought in that he knows didn't do it because they're not Jeff. And um, <laughs> he knows that Jeff is wounded and knows that, of course, he went to he went by Marty's. And Jeff finally asks for help. He's like, hey, you need to set up a meeting with the man who hired me to kill Marty. And she's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, and then uh, the commissioner decides to ambush poor Jane Lagrange at 7 a.m. on a Monday. He knocks on the door. She goes, Jeff. And uh, somebody just goes, Bleh, outside. <laughs> and she opens the door, which doesn't seem like it was smart. And it the, is I, the Jeff. <laughs> it, is, it is me. But then the police just bust in and start dumping out her shit. Lamest panty raid I've ever seen. And the commissioner threatens to, like, arrest her for, like, a prostitution beef. Yeah. Know? What? It, it didn't really make any sense. Because I don't think it, that'll stick. No. And, he, <laughs> and, again, he's just trying everything he can to break, like, her, like, I guess you could say, like, allegiance yeah. to Jeff. You know what I mean? So She's just getting, trying to flip her. Yeah. He was trying to flip her on him. Yeah. Yeah, trying to flip her, flip her faster than lightning. No one so you see. So we can, so Jeff... Costello is smarter than Jeff. <laughs> but then of course she doesn't she doesn't sell him out. She's no. like, nope. She's and then, she's, uh, yeah. she's like ride or die till the end. Yeah, she's a real Olga. She's she's a, she's a regular <laughs> Olga. She's a, she's got your back no matter what, dude. Did you hear they're making sex in the city six? Oh. Yes, Olga, I did. But uh Jeff Root <laughs> returns home. And he basically discovers the tap within, like, two minutes. Like, he he notices that the bird is kind of, like, exhausted itself from <laughs> freaking out. And it's, well, like, it's, it's like, too. There's, it had feathers that had come yeah, off. Yeah, it, like, wilted or wilted whatever. Or wilted bird is molting. And then, and then molting. Is that what it's called? Molting. 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 The bird it. is molting. The cake is molten. Bird oh, is yeah. molting. This shit is fucking molten. But then... um. Jeff, uh, to be fair to the police officers, though, the last place that Jeff did check was behind the curtain. And it did seem maybe the French just are like, nobody touches my curtain. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, then he finds it and he just he turns it off. Yeah. It. Yeah, this is, like, he literally is just like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Click. And, then, and then that's the end of that chapter of the police investigation. But uh, Jeff then tries to call the pianist from a, the pianist from a different uh, phone, but uh, she ghosts him. She's by the phone and she doesn't answer. She just yeah, kind of walks away. But then Jeff That's returns. rough, dude. That's like online dating, but yeah, in the I 60s. Know. It's terrible. It, we don't even know her name. I only knew her as the pianist. But um, so yeah, when Jeff returns home again, the bird is now freshly freaking out because the bridge man is there and he's like, "I hope you don't mind to eat your crepes." But um, but and yeah. Jeff, and to which Jeff responds, "How dare you have the best crepes in all of France? You have the tastiest crepes. My crepes will make you say, oh, that's good. My crepes bring all the boys to the yard.' <laughs> Everybody loves that French French rap hit. But um, so yeah." The bridge man basically is like, we made the mistake thinking that you'd be a threat to us, but also that you would crack under pressure. And he says, so we want everything to be forgiven. 
Here is the money from the first job. <laughs> and here is the money. And, uh, you know, I got another uh, gig for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I got one last job for you. Why is, is it always one last job? Because then there's that's probably the most interesting job. I don't know. Most of my last days on the job are always pretty fucking boring. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like it's normally just like people coming up and going, Can't "Oh wait to yeah, get the fuck out of here." Yeah, coming up and being like, "Oh, Pete, we love how much how hard you worked, and you just made yourself a face here, Pete." And I'm just like, "Yeah, you've been calling me Pete for like four years." And my <laughs> name is definitely my name is Peter. <laughs> That's how I like to go by. <laughs> but so, um, but the bridge man says, listen, dude, uh, you need to do this one last job. Here's uh, a couple more million. And uh, Jeff isn't talking. And the bridge man goes, uh, cat got your tongue. And Jeff goes, uh, I've never, I, I don't talk to men with uh, who are holding guns. And the guy says like so, something. He goes like more of a habit. And the guy is like, oh, okay. And he puts the gun away. <laughs> he starts to put it away, and Jeff immediately is just like, man, thank God. Like, maybe Jeff isn't that good of a killer because all of these people around him are fucking idiots. <laughs> but so, yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, th that's just sort of like what, uh, like, how it goes. And, and Jeff just kind of pulls Oliver Ray's name out for the first time. It's the first time that Oliver Ray's name is actually spoken. And he's like, you know, okay, well, I'm going to find this guy. And then the commissioner uh, is making his kind of last stand. Um, they're going to have a bunch of people tracking Jeff on the subway with transmitters. Once again, man. A bunch of giant fucking radios. Yeah, just like a bunch of shit where it's just like, I'm going to conspicuously reach into my purse not to turn on the transmitter, but for a piece of candy. <laughs> it, uh, it does have a very nice... Um Whatchamacallit, taking a Pelham one, two, three feel to it. Yeah, how he's just and like watching moment. the switchboard. That yeah. that definitely mm -hmm. came to mind. Oh man, what a fun movie <laughs> that is. But yeah, so we're talking about the uh the one with John Travolta, right? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. The one where he steals a train and is dancing on it the whole time. Ah, it's, right. the, it's the soul train. Oh, Battlestar Galactical. <laughs> no, he was in that one movie where he played an alien. Yeah, Battlestar. Oh, no, Battlefield Battle, Battle Earth. Earth. Yeah, Battlefield Earth. Earth. He also dances in that one. He does indeed. But does he does. He really? to dance. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen that movie. Yeah, he, he likes know? to. He likes to fucking get not loose. Missing anything. Footloose. But um, yeah. So the, <laughs> anyway. although he's not in Footloose. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So we're going back from Battlefield Earth back to Les Samurai. Um, so. <laughs> So he's just got all these people, and this is kind of like the commissioner's last chance to, like, catch him, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know really what the commissioner's purpose is other than to kind of be, like, just like an ancillary person. But then uh, Jeff says, au revoir, birdie. Theater lovers will get that joke and leaves his place. And the bridge man is, like, tied up, but in a way where it's like if he falls, he's going to, you know, get strangled to death or something. And yeah. then uh, Jeff hits the streets. And goes to the subway. And uh, again, this is the other like big ass sequence of this movie where it's just basically Jeff will be on one car and he'll notice somebody is watching him and reaching into their purse with their hand all the way up, just like the commissioner told them not to do. <laughs> and then reaching down and turning off the button. <laughs> so the plan is very stupid for a couple of reasons. Number one is 
Jeff immediately shakes the tail. He yep. just gets on the train and then hops back off the train. Ha <laughs> Like, yeah. They, Sucker. They reestablish it right away because they have so many people. But then the ultimately, like, it's great because you don't know who's got one. And again, this is just a wonderful scene of great, like, tension building. And it's like, is Jeff going to get caught? At one point, he kind of thinks he might have shaked shaking the tail but then uh this girl who is not the girl that he rejected in the car from the beginning but is just some rando and she's following him but her pursuit gets foiled by a moving walkway well but even before (laughs) that though like she's very obviously following him because she's got the same click clacking boots and is like five feet from him through two train rides. Like, I also think she's chewing gum yeah. loudly. And then, yeah. Like, but then somebody has to somebody has to call the fucking commissioner and be like, yeah, the, we lost him because of the moving walkway. And he's just like, what the hell am I doing in Paris? Why can't I be? Uh, and well, then and watching her run on her high heels. Yeah, after no. I'm like, uh, oh, that's not conspicuous now. I know why he's in Paris. It's for the crepes. Oh, he loves those fresh crepes. Oh, I love uh, the crepes. The, crepes. Fre- the fresh steaming crepes. But then, uh, so Jeff escapes the subway. Um, he he somehow is kind of able to shake it. We'll just accept it. We'll just say it's suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then he does the car bit again, but this time he's a wanted man, and there's a cop walking straight towards him. So it's awesome. Uh, just another great thing yeah. where it's like we already saw it, but now it's more exciting. Like now it, we just kind of get well, like and a it's double dose. And, and the nice. lighting's more fun because they're yeah. bright on his eyes. And yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then he goes to the final tune-up at the old garage. Um, the, yeah. He, he goes to the, the same process. The last time. The last time, yeah. The garage man. Like, you know, so the garage man fixes the plates, gives him the gun, and then goes, Jeff, I'm warning you, this is the last time. And Jeff goes, okay. <laughs> because uh, basically, again, Jeff in this film lives by a code basically so i think that he has already accepted that his fate is sealed for 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 quite some time but then jeff visits jane la- one last time and says bye-bye but he's also once again just standing outside her door and then she just opens it and senses it which is always you know i got to say it and actually does have that like predilection where like she can predict when i'm coming home so she can meet me outside and just be like all right i need a cigarette real quick so <laughs> like, like just like a perfect timing but they get to have their moment where they say goodbye yeah he's super cold <laughs> <laughs> it's so romantic no he just kisses her on the cheek yeah and it's just like all right like you know stay out of trouble kid and then uh, Jeff goes to Oliver Ray's place, which is where uh, he and the pianist were actually hanging out beforehand. Same place. So uh, Jeff busts in and, uh, you know, Oliver Ray does like the bad guy thing where he's like, oh, you're good. But how good are you really? Didn't you get that money for the next job? And Jeff just keeps on going. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then French style quick draws him, which physics wise doesn't really make sense because it definitely looks like the trench coat is closed around where the gun would be (laughs) but i think that he carries it very stupidly in his uh in his actual pocket but then uh jeff kills oliver ray gets his revenge trench coats though went straight into the inside so you could have it in another jacket like inside oh perfect for murder so they had a cut for that so like he could have just had it in one of those yeah 
So that might explain the physics problem that we ran into. Yeah. Solve fucking black holes. But then <laughs> um, it is then time to go to Marty's again. <laughs> the police are definitely not going to be waiting there for him. Not this time. No, free, free is the bird that is literally caged in your apartment. Because he goes back. This time when he parks the car, he turns it off, which is very mm-hmm. notable. Mm-hmm. Symbolic. Uh, some might say foreshadowing. <laughs> and he opens up the gun cylinder, and he, he spins it, and he's looking at all the bullets. He enters the building. He hands his hat off to the coat check girl who's like, <gasps> and then the barman is kind of walking up to him as the pianist the pianist is going on stage. And as she goes on stage, Jeff pulls on these white gloves that he's been using the whole man movie. And the barman is like, oh, no. But um, Jeff then slowly approaches the pianist as she plays just st- wonderful. She plays Misty for me. Yeah, she plays Misty. <laughs> I think that's the second play Misty for me joke we've ever made on the <laughs> podcast. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. I don't remember the first. I don't either. I just am pretty sure we did. We definitely did it. But then he gets to the uh, he gets to her and she's like, don't stay here. And then he pulls out the gun and uh, she goes, why, Jeff? And he says, I was paid to. But before he pulls the trigger, the cops shoot Jeff and he falls to the ground dead. Straight up. Riddling. They they shoot him a bunch, and once again, it's like it, like imagine if like your mom came home from like cabs one day and was like, "You wouldn't believe it. This handsome man tried to shoot the pianist, and then he got shot by this cop who was like, ah, but it wasn't Kojak, Anthony." <laughs> Who loves you, baby? <laughs> Who loves you? But so, Jeff, um, also what's interesting here, this is one of my favorite little notes about it, is that the uh, film uh, was actually going to end with Elaine Delon smiling as he died. But oh, then they chose not wow. to because you don't smile when you get shot normally. Usually, no. Usually, no. But then the commissioner picks up the gun, and he's just kind of looking at it, and the cops go over <laughs> Jeff was just showing us what it would look like <laughs> if you smiled when you got shot. I think it's a pretty accurate look. He's just leaning back in his chair, smiling. But like, I just want to push you down like a <laughs> hill like that, just like that. And that's how Jeff got to his grave. <laughs> so, it's like so, weekend at Bernie's with a smile on his face. <laughs> but so, but so then the cops approached the pianist and say, you know, you're lucky we were here. He would have gotten you for sure. And the commissioner goes, I don't I don't think so. And he uh, holds up the cylinder of the gun and spins it dramatically because it was fucking empty. Empty. The final job was to kill the pianist. Jeff refused to do so and committed seppuku at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was just surprised that none of those bullets went astray and shot the pianist. <laughs> Yeah, no, they like had really good aim. Direct line of fire. I know that band must have been like, you guys couldn't have given us a heads up or something that like this was going on. Couldn't give us ten feet. It is weird because the drummer does kind of go, which I think is kind of like the French new wavy, like fourth wall thing, I guess. But that's how the film ends. Jeff, Jeff lived by his code, and he died by his code. But I guess there might be legal fallout for all those witnesses who covered for him who are going to be able to very easily piece together 
the very clear trail of evidence left in Jeff's wake. But once again, this was the 60s, so whatever. But yeah, so ends a, uh, a, a touchstone film in the world of neo-noir. And I love it. I would love that. No, yeah, I would have liked if it would have just ended with a shot of the empty room and the bird tweeting itself to death. Well, that's why you're not John Pierre fucking Melville, <laughs> is it, Jeff? I think the film should have ended with a nice photo of some crepes. Oh, Since man. we're in France. Stop taking photo, <laughs> photos of my crepes. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, no, that was that was the end of that film. Once again, I just think that one is, uh, you know, we talk about things that we like take for granted that we don't mm. realize might have been mind blowing um, at one time to people, and uh, this film just kind of has been, you know, uh, the 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 old saying oft oft imitated, never duplicated. Um, just very stylish and cool, and it's hilarious because uh, Elaine Delon read that line at the beginning of the movie that is definitely not in the Bushido and said it as fact, and I bet he feels pretty dumb about it about <laughs> 60 years later. Because he's still kicking, man. He's still around? Yeah, he's still really? around. Jean-Pierre Melville died about uh, six years after this. He ju- he died uh, James Gandolfini style while, while at dinner of a massive heart attack. So. Aww. Yeah, no, he was uh, he was a really brilliant filmmaker, and yeah. uh, you you all should uh, check out check out his his films and uh, other other we films of the French uh, New Wave already together. Yeah, we watched his uh, his war movie Army of Shadows, yes. which is uh, ab- about his time in the uh, French Resistance. Allegedly, I still don't know if there's any weight to the fact that John Pierre Melville was actually in the French Resistance during World War II. Hmm. He was a print the legend guy. He loved uh, he loved all those westerns and shit like that. So um, yeah, but yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. Next episode, we got a movie being picked by Anthony. The next episode. What no. is? It? Oh. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant the song, the Dr. Dre. Oh, no. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> oh, so the next episode. I'm sorry. I don't know where I was. Just, uh, <laughs> the next episode, we're going to be watching. Honestly, I mean, it's, it's not really like it's not like a studio film. It's It wasn't really like an independent film either, from my understanding. Yeah. We're going to be watching uh, The Station Agent, starring Bobby Cannavelli and Peter Dinklage. And a woman who is probably Laura Dern, but might not be because I can't remember who it is. Potentially Laura Dern. Station agent is a great flick. We're looking forward to. Uh, oh, it's Patricia Clarkson. Patricia Definitely Clarkson. not Laura Dern. Strike one. But Roy Schneider. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that you guys be, will get that. Yeah, later. you guys will. You will. But um, yeah, thank you, might you guys. Not get it, but your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, guys, thanks again for listening to us talk about this film. We all love you very, very much. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time after we watch uh, The Station Agent. I hope you like it. Wait, no, hold on. Cut this part out. <coughs> I'm going to do it again. <laughs> You're going to love it. No, fuck, I fucked it up. You're going to like it. I guarantee. <laughs> Once again, I'm really sorry. <sighs> <laughs>
I know I'm going to like it. I've seen it. <laughs> Once again, my apologies to the shade. <laughs> yes. Have you seen the well-to-do up on Lenox Avenue on that famous thoroughfare with their noses in the air? High hats and colored collars, white bats and $15, spending every dime. For a wonderful time If you're blue and you don't know where to go to Why don't you go where Harlem sits Putting on the ribs Bangle gowns upon a bevy of high browns From down the levee all misfits Putting on the ribs That's where each and every Lulu Bell goes Every Thursday evening with her swell bows. Robbing elbows, come with me and we'll attend their jubilee and see them spend their last two bits. Putting on the ribs.